All right. Well, today marks the beginning of a special season of spiritual focus here at New Life. We're calling the 30-day challenge. Challenge to live our lives for eternity. From time to time, we feel led by God, we believe, to pull everyone together and align everything around a single theme or a single focus. And this is one of those seasons, and I really do believe for you to get the most spiritual benefit out of the next 30 days, you'll need to accept those three challenges that we've been talking about, to be here on weekends as much as you can, to get connected in a small group, to sign up for the uh, eternity text message that we're going to be giving out every day. And if you have yet to do that, go ahead and uh, turn your cell phones on and uh, text the message eternity to 313131. That's eternity to 313131. Please make a note of it. The first text will uh, go out this afternoon, and it'll contain some scripture and an assignment, a challenge for you that I'm convinced will will expand your thinking and stretch your vision and uh, maybe even reshape your priorities in light of eternity, okay? So get in on that, and uh, we're we're going. I need this. I need this myself, and um, I imagine you do as well. Well, before we dive in this morning to the Word of God, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for wonderful music. What a gift music is. Thank you for new songs, Lord, that uh, give us new ways to express our deep love and devotion for Jesus and our faith in you, Lord. And so uh, guide us now, stretch us as we get into your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, go ahead and take the the study guide out of your worship folder so you can track with me this morning. Now, I don't want to sound too morbid, but... How many of you have been to a funeral in the past year? Can I see your hands? Oh, my. Lots of you. Um, So how was it? It's kind of a weird question to ask about a funeral, right? We don't go to funeral services to evaluate them. More often, funeral services kind of evaluate us, don't they? I go to more funerals than your average person, and whenever I do, I always get the same sense while I'm there. The word I would use is the word sobering. Funeral services are sobering to me. They're sobering because they bring us face to face with a sobering reality that we'd probably rather not think about that much in our day-to-day lives. The reality that death is real and that everyone's going to die one day. You know, it's one thing to see death depicted on television or in a movie or on video games. It's quite another thing, is it not, to look over in a funeral service at the lifeless body of someone that you knew and loved and see their body laying in that casket there. I mean, that's a whole different ballgame. You know, there's a finality about it, like that person's life is, is done. It's finished. It's over. Whatever they intended to do, I hope they did it because there are no more days on this earth to do it. It reminds us of that, and it reminds us that someday our life on this earth will be finished as well. When I'm officiating at a funeral, I I want the people who are present there to feel that finality, but I also want them to feel hope. I want them to feel great hope. I want living people to realize that, that this life is not all there is, that there's an eternity of existence after this life, that eternity is a long long, long time, and that no one has to spend eternity apart from God. 
and apart from the presence of God. The reason I can have great confidence in saying that to people is because that's what the Bible teaches. That's what God's Word tells us. More specifically, it's what Jesus Christ Himself taught us in His Word. The only person to ever come from eternity to here and then go from here back to eternity told us that life extends beyond the grave. And that should give all of us great hope. And so I want to begin this series by reminding all of you living people, although this is not a funeral service, that the Bible teaches three important truths that we need to consider today. That this life is not all there is. That the next life dwarfs this life. And that there's a one-way link of impact from here to eternity. I believe as Christians, we need to allow our worldview to be shaped by the Word of God. Do you believe that? To be shaped by the Bible. You see, Christianity is not just a religion. It's a way of seeing the world. It's a way of seeing life. It's a lens through which to perceive reality. And the eye-opening reality that the Bible hits us with again and again and again and again is that this life is not all there is. Listen to me, this life is not all there is. This life is not all there is. It's not. There's an existence beyond this life. Oh, how we need to be reminded of this. That phrase needs to be on your screensaver, on your terminal at the office, to keep it in front of you every day. This life is not all there is. Now, granted, other religions believe that as well. Muslims have a vision of eternity, just like Christians do. Jews do as well. Many Eastern religions would subscribe to some sort of existence beyond the grave. Humanists, though, and materialists and secularists don't typically believe this. They would generally hold to some kind of annihilation theory of existence, that when you die, it's over, and everything just fades to black, and you cease to exist. But Christians let Jesus define reality for us, right? We let Jesus define reality for us because we believe he created reality. And if the Bible is to be believed, Jesus was very, very, very clear about this. Think about some of the things Jesus said when he was here. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He said that at a funeral. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, and whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And it goes on and on and on and on. If you believe Jesus, then you believe in eternity, because that's what he always believed and taught that this life is not all there is. Jesus believed and taught that there is an existence in another dimension, another realm that he called eternity, and all humans will dwell in eternity forever after their life here on earth is done, after their funeral service. It's plain to me to see that he also taught that everyone will not experience eternity in the same way. Well, after Jesus went back to eternity, his disciples, his apostles, taught the the same thing. They believed in an afterlife too. Just a sampling of their writings shows this. Hebrews 9.27, a verse 
you ought to commit to memory as a Christian. It says this, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So you die, and there's something after you die. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, 14, And God raised the Lord, Jesus, and will also raise us up by his power. So we will all die, but we will be raised. Romans 14, 10, We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Well, that hasn't happened yet, and that doesn't happen in this life. That happens in the next life. Paul, the great apostle, wrote this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Paul expected to be ushered into an eternal existence in the kingdom of heaven. And Peter wrote this in 2 Peter 1, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, if you don't remember anything else from this sermon this morning, if you don't remember anything else I say, remember this, this life is not all there is. This life is not all there is. There's more, there's more. There's existence beyond the grave. I know, I know that your coworkers don't think about this. And your friends and neighbors don't give this much thought, probably. Maybe you haven't thought about this much. But it's true. Jesus has been in eternity. He came and he told us it's true. This life here on this earth is not all there is. There's much, much more. And the words that he used reveal that the next life is going to dwarf this life. That's number two. And when I say this, what I'm talking about is, is duration. I'm talking about the relative proportion of this life, your 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 years here on this planet compared to your existence forever. When talking about our existence beyond the grave, Jesus and his apostles constantly use terms like forever and um, into the ages and eternal and everlasting. Look, no, no Bible scholar believes that you get 70 or 80 years in this life and then you get 70 or 80 years in the next life for a total of 160 years. No, no one believes that. No Bible scholar. Nor is it like a video game where you get multiple lives and you live and then you die and then you live and then you die again and you live again and die again. The Bible does not teach reincarnation. It teaches that this life will end in death and then be followed by resurrection, which will lead us into a new phase of existence that will last forever. So when I thought about how to best visualize this, I remembered something that I heard a pastor named Francis Chan do a number of years ago. Anybody heard of Francis Chan? Good guy, good guy to listen to. And uh, he used this illustration in a sermon that I saw, and so I've never actually had an original thought in my life. This too is borrowed from uh, our buddy Francis. And um, when he did this initially, he was a youth pastor and uh, he didn't use a rope, he used that old green bar computer paper. You guys remember that? From like that paper that was stuck together and had the holes and you perforated, you'd tear it off. Does that stuff even exist anymore? Ryan, does it? It's still around? Oh, well, we couldn't find any for this prop, so we're going to use a rope here. And uh, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Well, first I'm going to ask Chris to uh, help me out there. But... Um, 
I want you to think about this. Nicely done. Nicely done. I want you to uh, just pretend for a few minutes, okay? Pretend that this rope doesn't end at the back wall, but that it goes through the wall, across the lobby, out the other side of the building, across the parking lot, across the creek, across Hamilton Road, across Groveport and Chillicothe and Gallipolis and the hills of Westbury. It just keeps going on forever and ever and ever, okay? Just envision that for a minute, this never-ending rope. And I, I want you to think of this rope as representing your existence, okay? Because of what we just read in the Bible, your existence is going to go on and on forever. So can you do that? This is a timeline representing your existence. And then I want you to think of this little red section here as your time on this earth. So this represents your 70 years. Some of you are going, hmm, already. This is your 70 years, 80 years, if God has grace upon you, your 90 years here on this earth. I want you to think about that for a little bit. I've been a pastor for 30 years. And I've talked to a lot and a lot of people during those 30 years. And I would say that the vast majority of them mostly think about this and very little about that. In fact, some of you are that way. You're consumed with this. You know what I'm saying? You're thinking like, okay, here, I want to work hard and save and work hard and save so that when I get here, when I get here, I'm going to have a great life. I mean, I'm going I'm to go move to Florida and lay out on the beach and sip adult beverages and play golf every day and play bridge every night. That's kind of nuts, isn't it? Some of you are consumed with this. I mean, it's all about here and here and here and here, but, but you've given very little thought to that. To like, what's going to happen a hundred billion years from now when eternity is just getting started? And your quality of life then. Oh, you're, you're very concerned about your quality of life here and you know here and here and here, but you're not concerned about your quality of life there. And isn't that a bit short-sighted? I mean, knowing what we know now from the Word of God that that our existence goes on forever? I mean, isn't it kind of ridiculous, actually, to just, like, just only think about this? And yet we're so consumed with this life. And am I going to be comfortable? And am I going to eat well? And am I going to drive an awesome car? Sometimes people make fun of the car I drive, and it's okay. I think, well, you know, that's what I'm driving in this life, but you wait. Until I'm that life, that life, and that life. You'll be lusting after my ride. Anyway. Think about it. Think about it. This 30-day challenge is about expanding our thinking in such a way that we are compelled to live more and more for then. For eternity. To cultivate an eternal mindset. To live with eternity in view to make choices now that will impact forever. You say, well, how, how does that work? Well, 
Here's truth number three from the scriptures. The Bible very clearly teaches there is a one-way link of impact. A one-way link of impact from here to there. From here to eternity. I like the way Bruce Wilkinson puts it in his little book called The Life That God Rewards. He wrote this. The teachings of Jesus show us that there are two keys that determine everything about your eternity. The first key is your belief, what you believe, your faith. That key unlocks the door to eternal life and determines where you will spend eternity. The second key is your behavior, your conduct, your decisions, your choices, your lifestyle. That key unlocks the door to reward and determines how you will spend eternity. We spend a lot of time in this church talking about that first key and how it affects the second. We talk a lot about the grace of God around here, don't we? We want to be a grace place. We want to reflect the grace of Jesus. And we talk about how God has always wanted a family to dwell with forever, an eternal forever family, and how that desire in his heart compelled him to send his son Jesus to our planet to basically secure the rights for our adoption into his family. People who would believe in him, who would trust in his sacrifice for our sins and become sons and daughters of God. If you've never entrusted your whole life yet to King Jesus, you need to know that he's a king who reigns. You need to know he came for you, that he lived for you, that he's a king who died for you. I mean, imagine that, a king coming and dying for his subjects. He rose from the dead for you. He's ascended back into eternity to prepare a place for you forever. One day he's going to raise all of his adopted children from the grave, from their graves, and take them to live with him forever in the household of God forever. And if you've never gotten in on that, you say, how do I get in on that? Well, that message has never changed. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent, turn away from your self-righteousness and self-reliance and turn, and I like to call it transferring your trust from yourself fully to Jesus Christ who lived the life you could never live, lived the righteous life that you could never live, and that qualified him to then bear your sins on the cross and basically pay your way to heaven. If you'll trust in him. You join the family of God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And if you've never done that, I hope your heart is moved today by the Spirit to give in your life. We talk about that a lot around here. We also talk about this, how what you believe affects how you behave. That God implants a new heart within his true children, a new heart that has new loves and new desires and new affections and new inclinations. And when we live out of our new heart, we find our lifestyle progressively changing so that our choices and attitudes and outlooks and decisions grow more and more in alignment with the will of God, with the will of our Father. And we talk a lot about that. But what we have not talked very much about in the last few years is how that impacts our eternity how our decisions and our choices as Christians affects not, not where we will spend eternity, but how we will spend eternity. 
Have you ever thought about the quality of your life 100 billion years from now? What kind of lifestyle will you be living then? Have you, do you think much about that? Well, here's what I want to challenge all of us with today. Listen, everything you do today matters forever. Everything you do today matters forever. In other words, there's a one-way, it's only from here to eternity, not the reverse, there's a one-way, unbreakable link of impact from here to eternity. Choices made now will impact your quality of life forever. That's deep thought, isn't it? I want us to consider the very last promise that Jesus Christ ever made. It's recorded in the Bible in the book of Revelation, near the end. It says this in Revelation 22:12. 12, Jesus speaking, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. So he ends the Bible by saying, I'm coming back. I'm bringing a boatload of rewards with me. And I'm going to give people, I'm going to reward people for how they live their lives on the earth. Let me see if I can explain a few things about that in case it's fuzzy to you. First, Jesus and his apostles promised that there will be a day when everybody's life will be evaluated by God. He said it in many places, but Matthew 16, 27, for the Son of Man, speaking of himself, is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now, many of you know that the Bible teaches that unbelievers will certainly have their day of reckoning, right? We, we know that. We've been taught that. They will be judged according to their works. We're talking about non-Christians now. It talks about that in many places, including... Revelation 20, where it's referred to as the great white throne judgment. And on their day of reckoning, all of their thoughts and intentions and deeds will serve to condemn them because that's what they were relying on to gain righteousness, to gain a good standing with God, their own deeds instead of relying on Jesus. And the lives of unbelievers will be shown to be lacking and falling short of the holiness of God, the perfect obedience that God's law requires, and because they refuse to trust in Jesus, they will be banished from God's presence forever. And we know that and we weep over that, don't we? And we seek opportunities to share the good news with people so they can believe and be saved from that. So we know that. We've been taught that about unbelievers. But did you know, did you know that believers will also have their day of evaluation in the next life. Christians will also have our lives evaluated not to determine whether you go to heaven or hell. That's already been settled when you've placed your faith in Jesus. But to reveal the depth of your love and devotion to Him as evidenced by your lifestyle, your decisions, your priorities, your choices. The reason this is going to happen one day is to bring great pleasure to you and to Jesus. It gives him pleasure to give rewards and it will give you great and eternal pleasure to receive them. Think about this. Faith is invisible, right? If I said to you, hey, show me your faith. Show me your faith. 
are you going to do? Reach into your heart and kind of show me something? Faith is invisible, but faith is made visible by what? Works, our, our good and loving deeds and actions. Get this, the way we live our lives now is not only an evidence of our faith and a proof of our salvation, but it also reveals how worthy we believe Jesus is. You see, it's not just our songs that are worship, and we sing wonderful songs around here, and that's part of our worship, but it's not just our songs. Our lives are our worship, too. The way we live, our choices, our decisions, the, when we decide to honor Christ, we reflect how worthy we believe He is to be loved and followed and obeyed and treasured. And you know what? God takes note of that. And one day it's going to be on display for you and he to see. And you say, Steve, are you sure of that? Yep. <laughs> because the Bible teaches it. 2 Corinthians 5.10, most notably. Listen, for we must all appear. So how many of us is that? All. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what it is due for what he has done in the body. That's your life here on the earth, your 70 or 80 years, whether good or evil. Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So that day is coming, and I ask you today, are you looking forward to that day? When your life on earth, the, the sum total, the cumulative life that you lived on this earth is going to be evaluated by Jesus Christ. On that day, Jesus is going to reward believers for how they live their lives on the earth. He's not going to judge us. He's going to reward us. Now, there's going to be a heavenly awards banquet. Seriously, it's going to be awesome. It's going to make the little things we do here on this earth, the Grammys and the Emmys and the Tonys and the Oscars, that's going to seem like child's play compared to the great heavenly awards banquet that's coming. I'm going to talk more about that later on in this series. For now, I just want you to see that Jesus promised it. He will reward his people for their faithful service. Aren't you glad? He sees everything. He will reward you for taking risks for him, like Lori was just talking about for remaining loyal and faithful to Him, even when it got hard, even when it made you unpopular. He will reward believers for their acts of love towards others, big and small, for the purity of our lives, for our zealous and passionate love for Christ. I could go to dozens of places in the Bible. Let's just see a few more words from Jesus Himself that underscore this. I know you've heard this verse before, but I don't know if you've thought about it in this context. From the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, Jesus said. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Stay loyal and faithful to me even when it makes you unpopular. I see that, Jesus is saying, and I will reward you for it when you get to heaven. Luke 14, 14, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Even little acts, unnoticed by many people, 
Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Aren't you glad that God sees everything? Aren't you convicted that God sees everything? Jesus said, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Think about all the stories Jesus told about future rewards given for faithfully serving him now. Remember the parable of the talents? Familiar with that? Or the parable of the minas? They're very similar. That the owner who leaves town and entrusts all of his assets to his servants to manage for him while he's away. And then he comes back at some point in time to settle accounts with those servants and to what? To reward them for how well they invested and managed his resources while he was gone. This notion that Jesus is one day going to return and reward his people is found all throughout Jesus' teachings. I know some of you are thinking, well, what about this life? You know, what about, what about here and now? Like, my, you know, are there any rewards that are given like here? And certainly there are, right? I mean, Jesus gives us much by his grace. But you need to know the vast majority in the biblical text of the talk about rewards transport us to a day yet in the future after we have died. When we will be raised and will stand before Christ and he will fully and finally reward all that he deems rewardable. Is that a word? Everything that Jesus deems to be rewardable, he will reward. Paul was looking forward to that. He wrote in 2 Timothy 4.8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let me ask you, do you long to see Jesus? Do you long for his appearing? I mean, do you want to see him? I mean, if you do, you're like Paul, and, and he said there's, there's a, a particular award waiting for you when you see the Lord. And so think about that. Our lives are going to be evaluated one day. Jesus sees everything. He's going to reward his people. And so can you imagine this, that on that day, there will be great rejoicing and great regret. Don't you think? Great rejoicing and great regret. I'm thankful to know it won't be eternal regret because it says in the Bible that Jesus will wipe away every tear, right? He's going to wipe away every tear, which tells me there are tears to be wiped away, most likely tears of regret. Believe me, when you see Jesus, For the very first time, when you look into his face, when you look into his eyes for the very first time, I'm telling you, you will wish that you had served him more passionately in this life. You will wish that you had loved him more deeply while you were here. You will wish that you had spread his gospel more intentionally. You will wish that you had invested more heavily in his work on this earth. You will wish that you had loved his people more sincerely. You will wish on that day, that while you were here, you had extended his grace more freely and more readily to people. 
And so, yes, there will be great rejoicing at the pile of your works that Jesus finds rewardable, that he finds commendable. And there will be great sorrow at the other pile of your works that will go up and smoke, incinerated by the piercing gaze of the Son of God. There will be deep regret over loss of reward. The Bible teaches this. Again, from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Hey, look at me. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So a reward lost, missed, forfeited. 2 John 8, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Jesus, again in Revelation 3, I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. So that day is going to be a day of great rejoicing, great reward, and great regret as well. And I think some of both. I think some of both. And so that leaves us with a challenge for our lives, doesn't it? In a phrase, it's this. Choose now, impact forever. Choose now, here, make decisions and choices now, here, and affect your life 100 billion years from now. That's the law of the unbreakable link, that what we do here and now matters forever, because our rewards will be eternally enjoyable, and I believe increasingly enjoyable throughout eternity. This law is kind of like the law of gravity. It's always in operation whether you're thinking about it or not. The choices you make in your life now matter forever. They don't come to nothing when you die. What you watch on television tonight, how you serve the Lord and his people here in church today, what you say in your small group this week, how you go about your job tomorrow, what you give in the offering in a few minutes, what you dwell on before drifting off to sleep tonight, what needy person you decide to come alongside and listen to and support and encourage and pray with and maybe give a gift. All of those things are being recorded in the mind of God who must have immense capacity and one day, he will reward you for every single worthy thing you did in your entire life that brought Jesus pleasure and reflected him to others. That's a lot to chew on. <laughs> That's a lot to think about. It really is. And we're going to dive deeper into this next week. But for right now, as I finish up, here's, here's one choice, one decision I want to lay out before each and every one of us. And it's this. Will you take this 30-day challenge seriously? I mean, will you? I'm going to take it seriously. Will you take it seriously? Look, th this is a, everything I've just shared from God's Word is a message that you don't hear out there much, do you? I mean, this isn't, you're not going to hear this much at work or in the movies. This is, this is a unique truth, a unique message that comes to us from the Word of God, and, and we need to be trained in it. This isn't going to happen overnight. This is, this is a way of thinking. This is, uh, our minds need to be renewed, and that takes training. And that's why we do things like a 30-day 
spiritual challenge like this is to give the Holy Spirit this opportunity to begin to reframe and reform our thinking around the things that are true. And what's true is that this life is not all there is. And the next life is going to dwarf this life. And there's an unbreakable one-way link between here and eternity. So I pray that you'll take this challenge seriously and engage with it. I hope you feel the Holy Spirit even now drawing you into it. Like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I, I, I need that. I need, to, I need my thinking changed so that I'm thinking about forever a little bit more than I have been. Here again are the three parts of this 30-day challenge to help train us in living now for the things that matter forever. Challenge one is to sign up to receive that eternity text message every day. First one will go out this afternoon. It'll prompt you to think about your priorities now in light of that day. Second is to be here as often as you can these next five weeks, listening to God's word, responding to it with repentance and faith and action. And then the third challenge is to get into a small group and discover the power of gospel community in changing your thinking and changing your life. You know, it makes a difference when you're on a journey with others who are on the same journey as you. And so that's my challenge. Let's bow in prayer together. And so we're going to worship the Lord a little bit more here in a few moments, and our prayer partners are coming to be ready to pray with you. But I, need, I do want to ask you this question. Just how many of you would raise your hand and say, I'm going to, by God's grace, Steve, I'm going to take this challenge seriously. I'm going to do that. See your hands? Thank you. Lord, see their hands. Many, many, many of you. Father, um, as I look into the faces of my friends, I know some of them, to some of them, eternity maybe means a little bit more than others because they have people there, family members, who've departed this life, parents who've departed this life, grandparents, friends, a son or a daughter, a child, a baby. But Lord, I pray that you would impress upon all of us, every one of us, the truth that this life is not all that there is, that eternity awaits all of us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, dwelling within us, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and expand our vision. Help us to see that what we choose now impacts forever. Lord, if some are struggling to even accept this concept or if there's something blocking them, I pray that they'd come and receive prayer in just a few moments. Just maybe someone's struggling and, and needs to feel your presence, Lord. Prompt them to come and receive prayer. Receive our worship now. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.